Let's turn the Word of God to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And we'll read verses 1 through 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 1 through 7. <coughs> Say this. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. <coughs> be not rash with thy mouth, and let thine heart be hasty to utter things before God. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter things before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he that hath no for he hath not pleasure for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. <laughs> Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also divers vanities. But fear thou God. Let's pray. Father, again, Lord, we thank you for your grace. Lord, uh, we uh, uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, uh, even for this uh, playground and the other things that were done as we prayed earlier, uh, we're thankful for, as we remember, Vi and uh, Melvin, and uh, Lord, the blessing uh, that they were when they were among us. And Lord, uh, because of their graciousness, Lord, the, that they continue to be a blessing to the church and have allowed us uh, to do some things here. And we want to honor that memory. Lord, we want to be thankful, uh, dear Lord. We don't want to take things lightly or for granted, but always be thankful for those you use uh, <coughs> to help the church and uh, be a blessing to the people of God and others. And, uh, Lord, that we could uh, be a blessing uh, to our children. And, we, Lord, we pray for our children. We pray for our young people. Lord, we pray that every child, uh, Lord, would be saved at the youngest age uh, possible, dear God. And that, Lord, at uh, young ages, uh, Lord, they would uh, allow you to direct their lives, dear Lord. And, uh, Lord, make uh, decisions uh, for you. And, uh, Lord, help us to be faithful, to be there for our young people and to support them and pray for them and uh, care about what's going on in their life. And, Lord, we thank you for everybody that's here tonight, everybody that's listening, and that you would bless each one, that you would strengthen each one in their man with, with might by the Holy Spirit. Lord, give them the wisdom they need for important decisions. Lord, we pray for uh, all the needs, whether it's a sickness, whether it's financial, whether it's a, they, they need a job or looking for a better job or need direction in the job uh, that they have. And Lord, I thank you for uh, the testimonies that uh, these people have on their job uh, to be a good <laughs> witness uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, as we look at this portion of Scripture, I pray that we learn and I pray that you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. As we uh, look at these uh, verses for a few minutes, in these verses we uh, learn the importance of right being a listener of His words, right? Being a listener of His words, and then a keeper of our words, a keeper of our words. When Solomon wrote about going to the house of God, right, he wrote, we should be ready to hear. God, of course, is always willing to speak, and we know that. That's why he gave his word, and we must be ready to hear. Hearts and minds, right? We need to come. I mean, you know, even we think, well, okay, uh, I'm going to church, but, 
you know, in the morning when we get up or even uh, before we come in the evening? Are we asking the Lord to prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, and prepare our wills uh, for what He would uh, want to speak to us when we come to the house of God? Because the truth is that God wants to speak to us. We know that, and He wants to help us. And when we, when we know that He wants to speak to us, we're willing to listen. When we understand that, we realize and uh, we need to realize He is interested in our lives and what's going on in our lives. So as we now you look at these verses, of course, it talks about uh, hearing God. It talks about making a vow to God. But as we look at the content of these verses, and again, it relates to our interaction with God, right? That's the context, our interaction with God. But, of course, we all so can look at this, and through the instruction and, and the principles, uh, we, we realize that they would certainly apply to our interaction with people, all right? And uh, so uh, as we want to interact with God, but then, of course, we have to interact with people on a daily basis. So if it's good to hear God when we're with Him, it's good to hear people, amen, and listen to them. So that's why it says, verse 1, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. And here it says, and be more ready. Doesn't just see ready, but more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. But be more ready to hear. And of course, being more ready to hear, that's good advice, of course, in the house of God, being ready to come and listen. But really, again, that's good advice wherever you go, being ready to hear and listen to people, whether you're the guest in a home, whether you're uh, meeting with someone, looking for an opportunity to witness, or, or whether you're at work, uh, being somebody that's known that has a listening ear. And it says here in verse 2, right? Why? Because it says, verse 2, talking about speaking, be not rash with thy mouth. Some good advice here. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. Again, be rash with thy mouth, hasty to utter. That, that rash, word rash means to ramble quickly, to speak without proper reflection, right? Uh, or to, as we might say, to speak without thinking. Or sometimes we say it this way, if I say this probably, to put your mouth in dry before the brain is engaged, right? <laughs> right? Sometimes we, we, we do that. And I was thinking about that verse about being rash with thy mouth and hasty to utter things before God. And I thought, you know, this verse was around when Peter was on the earth. You know, we just talked about memorizing verses. This has been a good verse for uh, <laughs> Peter uh, to memorize, right? He should have remembered this uh, uh, when, a lot of times when he spoke, right? And so a, a good example of that, you know, Peter was always getting in trouble. But I think about Matthew 17, of course, this is the Mount of Transfiguration, says this when, uh, in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 8. And after six days, this is a, another example of Peter uh, speaking too quick. And after six days, Peter, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him. Then Peter answered, here he goes, and said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. But while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. 
behold a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, uh-huh. in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And I, I like verse 8. This is a great verse. It says, And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Boy, that's a, that's a good principle. So we see here, you know, Lord wanted, uh, Peter wanted to make a, 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 a build something for everybody. You know, Peter tried to elevate man here, but really you never can elevate man when you try to do that and lift people up. Really you just bring Jesus down, so to speak. As believers, when we try to elevate ourselves in the eyes of others, when uh, we worry more about image than integrity, which we'll see in these verses, we're not really elevating ourselves in people's eyes, and we're only fooling ourselves, really. As believers, when we try to do that, uh, we're really making our Savior smaller, not being a good example uh, of Him before others. But as verse 8 says, they saw no man save Jesus only. We should remember, talking about being quick to hear and uh, quick to listen, we should not try to get people's eyes on ourselves or on other men. We should just try to keep our eyes and get everybody's eyes on Jesus and uh, watching what we say. As the little song says, what? Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. James 1.19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, goes right along with us, let every man be swift to hear. Boy, here it says more to hear. And even in James, we still see that admonition, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And so this is talking about come to the house of God. And so we need to ask ourselves, when we, when we, do we prepare uh, our hearts and uh, ears to hear when we come? Did you come ready to hear the Lord, to listen to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him speak to you? Always say, Lord, always let me come uh, to the house of God with a listening heart and a teachable heart. He goes on to say, for God is in heaven and thou upon the earth. So we're reminded, again, God is upon heaven. We're upon earth. God has a bigger view of things, right? He's, he's up there. You know, I used to, a lot of times when I used to, to, to knock on doors and talk to people, and I'd always say to the children, hey, remember, uh, mommy or daddy's taller than you. They can see further down the road, all right? So make sure you listen to them. And all right, he's bigger than us. He can see further down the road and what's uh, going on. God has a bigger view of things. He sees us and everything going on around us and how wonderful God dwells from heaven to our heart. And he stays aware of everything going on around us and everything going on within us. But God is always ready to speak to us. As the one prophet says, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. That should be our attitude when we're in the house of God. That should be our attitude when we're up reading the word of God. But we, again, make sure we're ready to listen when he speaks. And then it goes on uh, here in verses, uh, uh, listening to him and being ready to let him speak. Because when we speak, or these verses talk about making a vow here in 4 and 5, it's a serious thing to make a vow before God. Now, here's going to talk about making a vow. You know, in one place where it talks about uh, a, a, a daughter making a vow or a wife making a vow, and there's some important principles in those verses about 
uh, a father being over her daughter and a, a husband uh, being, those are good verses for a husband being head of the home too, right? Because he could uh, disavow those things, but it said if he didn't say anything. But, you know, there are a lot of verses that show the importance of making vows. And because making a vow, again, to God is a serious thing, right? And, of course, uh, and keeping our vow goes to the heart of our integrity, as we'll see in these verses. We should not be afraid to make a vow to God, but we should still be prayerful and mindful of what we are saying and doing when we make a vow before uh, 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 God. Uh, look at again, verse 4 and 5. It says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay thou which thou hast vowed. And so God's going to hold you accountable uh, for what you, what you say uh, before him. And so it's a serious thing to make a commitment to God. It says, verse 5, Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, that thou shouldest vow and not pay. And so, you know, letting our, our, our words be few. I've said this before, you know, uh, since I've uh, been in the ministry, you know, I mentioned, you know, a lot of people get caught up, especially, as I said before, missionaries, where they think they always have to be doing something and showing that they're uh, doing something. Man, I was, uh, uh, I was nervous about starting a bunch of stuff or saying I was going to do this or saying I was going to do that. I said, man, I'd rather just say a few things and then see the result of them, right? And I've tried to sort of keep to that in the ministry that, you know, uh, not that I never fall short, but a lot of times, you know, I'd say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then try to follow through and see the result of that. Then just try to make it sound, oh, you know, uh, uh, make it sound like a bunch of stuff's going on. But then nothing uh, uh, really gets really gets uh, really gets done because it's a serious thing to make commitments and put those words out there. So we need to watch what promises we make to God and before God. And uh, again, looking at these verses, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. Well, that goes into a person's uh, integrity. Now we'll talk about integrity for a minute. That's really what I want to focus on for a minute. Defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay thou which thou hast vowed. Again, verse 5, better is it that thou shouldest not vow that thou shouldest vow and not pay it. Because again, this has to do with integrity. Let me talk about integrity for a moment. All right? Integrity is defined as the quality or the state of being complete, an unbroken condition, wholeness, entirety. That's what it has to do with. It means more than just following a moral code. Its root of the word is the same as the word that means a whole number. Wholeness, of course, is the opposite of being divided, right? When people focus more on developing their integrity than their image, they create a life that is whole. In other words, think of it, we're using the word whole, but think of solid, right? That's a solid person. Well, you, you, can, you can take his word to the bank, right? We, we use that term. You know, I think of my uh, uh, friend, uh, again, bring up my friend, Brother Crab. Man, I tell you one thing, when he told you something, done. 
I mean, he he said something. You know, I look back, man. Every everything that he he uh, 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 said to me, or that he commitment he made to me. I mean, it was just it was just uh, uh, done. You know, he 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 he'd rather die than uh, uh, you know uh, not keep his not keep his word. I remember, um, uh, and, and I appreciate people like that. I remember when I when, when I came back from Europe and I had to work for a little while because. I wanted to uh, get my family into a home, and uh, I met the uh, I met this man that worked for this national company, and and he was a believer, and he said, "Hey Jeff, I want to help you," and man, everything uh, that man promised me to make me to help make me successful in that business, so I could get a a home for my family. Man, that man just kept his word, and when I left. Uh, uh, working, you know, with that company because I was still doing mission work. And I told him, I said, I said, Bob, I said, I appreciate that when I met you, right, you kept your word and everything that you said you would do to help me uh, be successful in this business, you you did it, and that's a that's a wonderful thing uh, to have that testimony. But we should all want to have that testimony. We're using the word whole, but you think you know that person's solid. You know you can count on them. So people that have integrity as they consistently keep their promises and practice what they preach, as we use that term, right? Then they become bigger on the inside, if you will. In believers, right, this creates trust. We want people to protect, uh, trust us. It protects their uh, testimony, which is so in, important uh, uh, to keep. And of course, then it, it, it gives a person peace because they know, right, that they've kept their word. They've kept their commitment to things. In contrast, one that focuses on image over integrity, right, is a person that's not worried about being big on the inside, but attempting to appear, and that's the key word, appear, bigger on the outside, often at the expense, right, of who they really are on the inside, compromise. This uh, creates friction within their own heart and, of course, an unhealthy hypocrisy in their lives. Image might say something like, if they're just worried about image, what I say and what I do are not the same and never will be. That's just the way it is, right? Because their main thing is about keeping up appearances. But that kind of thinking is bad, especially for believers, because it demonstrates that, right, they're, they're, they're not authentic, and uh, uh, they don't have, a, of course, a right spirit and a right heart. Wise believers establish integrity, right? Well, integrity, it's, it's, you're right, it's the guardrails in our life. It's guardrails in our life to protect us, right? So our integrity and our character are like guardrails uh, for us to keep us from going off course, right? We, we, we traveling, right? There's guardrails on the highway, and uh, boy, if you've ever traveled on roads uh, that don't have guardrails, I remember uh, uh, one time I was traveling from Macedonia into Albania, and I was going through the, these mountains, and the roads were very narrow on these steep mountains. I mean, if you dropped off, it was just it was just a cliff, and there were no there were no guardrails, and it was hot. It's kind of funny, and so we kept the van door uh, open. 
right? And, uh, and uh, we didn't uh, realize until uh, we had gotten to our destination. I was looking at the seats in there because the, this old van, you slid the, the, uh, the um, uh, seats in, the back seats on, on these rails. And then you're supposed to bolt them in. I didn't realize the bolts weren't in. And I was like, oh, man, I could have went flying around them cords. All of a sudden, shoom, there goes Brother Crab and Sister Brenda. Right? Hope they had parachutes on. But, uh, yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's much better to travel on wider roads with, uh, with, with guardrails. But guardrails are important. So on a highway, guardrails keep cars from going over a cliff. And the best guardrails for believers are the decisions you make before high-pressure situations, because high-pressure situations, right, don't really make you. They just prove who and what you really are in a situation. We'll see an example of that. For example, it is impossible to maintain integrity when you don't know what you value or where to draw the line. Young people, you better uh, learn before life really gets hard what your values are, right? And what you consider uh, uh, important and where you need to draw the line before you're put under those pressures. You better already know where those lines are drawn. You better already know what your values are and that you value doing the right thing, right? So what is your guardrails? That's a good thing to ask ourselves. Well, uh, well, one of them is what you what won't you do? <laughs> you got to say, no, this is just thing that we won't do. And listen, you're on a job. You know, hey, I, if I had a job, listen, I, I wasn't afraid to get I wasn't afraid to get fired. If it came to my uh, uh, principles. Right. Then money didn't mean anything. I don't care how much a job was worth. Right. Because you can buy a lot of things with money. But one thing you can't buy is right. Your testimony and integrity and uh, character. So, so what are your guardrails? What must you do to maintain your relationships? Identify your values and decide what boundaries you won't cross long before the temptations come. Again, young people, you better get those things grounded in your life at this age. So they're already there, right, when the challenge comes. When believers focus on becoming bigger on the inside, in addition to benefiting others, right, right, they're caring for their own soul, they're caring for their own testimony, right, and they're a healthy soul and they are a solid believer, right? So solid, whole, not fractured, and they hold together internally when the pressure's on. Believers of integrity, of course, they'll have self-respect, which comes not from accomplishments or achievements, but from making right choices. You know, where it says, oh, you need to accomplish something. You need to achieve something. No, what I need to do is make right choices in my life. And then whatever that leads to or whatever that brings me, fine. But the focus needs to be right choices. And wholeness on the inside, of course, creates a more powerful outside. Another way to say it is that when you focus on image at the expense of integrity, you eventually lose both. But when you focus on maintaining integrity, the image that is created is authentic and trustworthy. And that's what we want to be as believers. We want to be authentic. We want to be real. We want to be trustworthy. And of course, 
That helps your spiritual influence to grow from the outside. So, again, looking at these verses, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay. Keep your word, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Right? You're a fool to make a vow before God and then try to slip out of it. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow a vow and not pay. Let me give you, of course, a good example of that is Joshua. I mean, you know these stories, so I'm just going to give you the verses. You know this story in Joshua chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. Remember, those that come and feign themselves that they're from a faraway land and, you know, all that stuff. Joshua 9, 3 through 6 says this. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work willily. That's a nice word. Right, willily, and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him, And to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore make a league, ye league with us. Now, so you know the story, they come to them in Joshua 9, and then in verses 14 and 15, it shows Joshua and the leader's response. And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Listen, never think, oh, well, I'm the leader here. I'm the one that makes the decisions. Boy, never get in that mindset, right? Always, right? Pray about things when making serious decisions. Always seek counsel, right? Verse 15, and Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live, and the princes of the congregation swear unto them. So we know what happened here. We know these people lied, right? I mean, they started off on the wrong premise. They lied to Joshua and the leaders. And then we know that Joshua and the leaders did not handle it properly. And it's good to remember, you know, Joshua was a great leader, but this is another good example that any leader can make a mistake, right? And that's important to remember. Hey, listen. I'm, I'm as apt to mess up this week as anybody else. And we need to remember that. Not that I want to, but we're, we're all human. Yet, even though these people had lied, even though uh, Joshua, right, they didn't handle it properly and they didn't seek the Lord's will, yet they made a vow. Yet when challenged, Joshua showed his level of integrity. When people came against the men of Gibeon, he could have easily let them be killed and solved an issue. But what did he do? Joshua chapter 10, verses 6 through 10. It says, And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua at the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. I remember, again, these people lied. He'd done it wrong. But yet, when it came to, when, when that vow was challenged, right? And he could easily said, oh, hey, this is a way for us to get out of it, right? Well, that's the way to, oh, man, I did this. Hey, oh, this is a good way for us to get out of this vow. Man, we'll get rid of them. I mean, everybody was mad at me when I did this. This is a way for me to clear my name before the people. Well, it's more important to ha have a clear name before God, right? And so what do he do? And help us, for all the kings of the Amorites dwell in the mountains are gathered together. So Joshua ascended, he and all the people who are with him, and all the men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thy hand. 
There shall not a man of them stand before thee. And I mean, look at the grace of God. Even though they had gotten to this, right? They had made a mistake. They'd been lied to. They didn't seek God, but yet they made a vow before God. And even God, when he was showing integrity, stood behind him and helped him fulfill his vow. And Joshua therefore came to them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all the night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Betharon and smote them to Azekah and unto Makedah. And so Joshua here showed great integrity in keeping his vow. So as we look at these verses about, amen, hearing God's word and keeping our word, remember this. When God speaks to us, let us be prepared and ready to listen. We, of course, we, when we get up and read the Word on a daily basis, and even each time we think, oh, well, you know, I get up and I read Monday, but, you know, I, sometimes we think because we're going to church, we don't have to get up and, and, uh, and, uh, and pray and uh, uh, get ready. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying about this me, but even though I know on Sunday I'm going to be speaking twice or whatever, listen, uh, I get up <laughs> Sunday morning, and uh, I, I, I do the same routine on, on Sunday morning uh, with the Lord in the Word and, and praying for every one of you. I, even though I know I'm going to see you, I still do it uh, uh, Sunday morning because even though I still try to uh, prepare uh, uh, my heart, that's just, that's just a, a seven-day-a-week thing. It's just part of breathing, part of uh, uh, who we are. Is, is what that should be in preparing ourselves. So when God speaks to us, let us be prepared and ready to listen. When we speak to God, so when, we, when God speaks, let us be prepared and ready to listen. But when we speak to God, let us be prepared and ready to follow through. So we should pray this, Lord, give us listening hearts and Lord, give us hearts of integrity. Let's pray.